The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Former Prime Minister Boris Johnson will be questioned in a committee hearing later today to determine whether he deliberately lied to Parliament about the party gate affair. Now, his evidence was revealed yesterday where he appears to be blaming some of his officials in spite of saying this last May. And I also want to say, Mr Speaker, above all, that I take full responsibility for everything that took place on my watch. So he takes full responsibility, yet others may be to blame. Well, to discuss what key clashes we might expect, I'm joined now by writer, communicator, consultant, strategist and co-host of The Rest of Is Politics with uh, former Tory Minister Roy Stewart. Alistair Campbell, good morning. Hi, Pat. How are you? I'm very well. What do you expect this afternoon? Because if there's one thing for sure about Boris Johnson, he's pretty glib. Uh, I expect more bluster, more lying, more obfuscation, more trying to sort of put people, distract. And uh, But I, I, I really do think that this is coming to the end of the road for Johnson. I actually think that the the bombshell defence that uh, his supporters talked about that was published yesterday, I actually think it made his case worse. And I see that they've now published a lot of the evidence and exchanges from some of the senior civil servants. And interestingly, Simon Case, the cabinet secretary, asked directly whether he ever gave Johnson the advice that Johnson's claiming he was given he just gives three one-word answers no no and no um so i i think we'll we'll i hope that what we see is a parliamentary committee not grandstanding being very forensic being very factual because uh, the, the the question is that the, the, what Johnson's supporters are trying to do is to sort of say, oh, well, you know, the guy's lost his job anyway and he got fined and he apologised and let's just move on. But I think in our democracy, it's a fundamental constitutional principle that you should expect, have a right to expect that a prime minister stands at the dispatch box and tells the truth. And unless that prime minister, a prime minister who doesn't tell the truth is is absolutely punished and, and it can be made clear that there is no place for some people like that in public life, then I think we're in, we're on a slippery slope. So the the actual consequences, if the committee finds that he did deliberately mislead Parliament, because I'm sure it happens from time to time that someone might say something in error, then they go into uh, the House of Commons and they correct the record and yeah. there would be no sanction. But yeah. if they find that he knew what he was doing, what then? Well, the truth is, it's long been considered uh, part of British public life that if uh, a prime minister or a minister lies at the dispatch box, that they should resign. Now, of course, he's resigned as prime minister. Um, but they can they can order the possibility of sanctions on which the, the full House of Commons would then have to vote. Um, now, Rishi Sunak, I mean, look, Labour... SNP, Welsh nationalists, the Greek, you know, Caroline Lucas, the Greens, anybody who sort of cares for parliamentary democracy uh, and is not party pre is going to vote for him to go. Sunak has, um, and have a by-election, Sunak has um, uh, made clear that he would consider it a matter of a free vote. I wonder whether that's the reason why Boris Johnson has suddenly decided he's an expert on the Windsor framework. Uh, and has announced that he's going to vote against it today. Yet another distraction in the sort of circus that he creates around him. So I think this could lead to Johnson being, as it were, booted out of Parliament. But, you know, in the end, that's a matter for the 
for the committee and then for Parliament. Mm. Um, if uh, there was, for example, unhappiness in his constituency, uh, could there be, you know, we're familiar with this from America, a recall? Yeah, they could. And, and technically, there could be a recall. And that's what would lead then to, to uh, a by-election. Um, and, and I do think it's, it's, look, there's no doubt that Johnson still has his supporters. You've seen them all out over social media and across the airwaves you know, with their cut-and-paste defences from Johnson's PR team. Um, but there's, I mean, I know the Labour candidate down in his Uxbury's constituency, and, you know, he reports that people are kind of really are quite sick and tired of the whole thing. The guy, never he's never there. He doesn't go to his constituency. Um, we, we, you know, the, he's got one of the top lawyers in the country advising him at the moment at public expense. He's flying around the world picking up, sort of a quarter of a million quid a pop for a, for a, an after-dinner speech. Um, he, he's never been about public service. This is the thing that people need to understand about Boris Johnson. He has never been about public service. He's been about himself. He's been about getting the top job. And now he genuinely believes, he looks at people like Netanyahu, he looks at people like Berlusconi, and he thinks, well, look, you know, if other people can survive terrible scandals and, you know, get back in, then so can I. He really thinks like that. Mm. Now, we thought after the defeat of Trump by Biden that that was the end of Trump. Exactly. Um, but he's still there. You know, you know that term they say, um, forgotten but not gone. Well, he is not forgotten and he's not gone. And I'm wondering about uh, Boris Johnson. Does he think he can have a second coming? Absolutely. He definitely thinks that. You've got to remember, Johnson's whole life, as a child, as an adult, in his private life, it's always been about getting into big scrapes, having everybody say, you're never going to get out of this one, and then him sort of wriggling out. That's what his whole life is about. That's what drives him. It's what gets him out of bed in the morning. That allied to the kind of, you know, the wealth that he can make by being a kind of big figure and a name that's recognized, you know, universally recognized in Britain and in large parts of the world as well. So that's what he's always been about. And um, he will think that deep down, he will think that he will think, you know, I'll show them. They all think I'm toast. Well, I'm not. I'm going to show them. But I just feel that one, I think. The public, I think, have been sick of it for a long while. We did, um, Rory Stewart and I did the, a live recording at the rest, is, the rest is Politics at the London Palladium last night. So there's about, you know, close to 3,000 people there. I asked them a, a question. We did lots of sort of questions. And they were, these were people, some of them were Tory, most of them probably Labour and Lib Dem. <clears throat> and I asked the question of the entire audience, do you think Boris Johnson is fundamentally honest or dishonest? <laughs> there, was, there was one hand raised for honest. <laughs> Um, every other hand in the room was raised for dishonest that's what people think now uh, the end of a beautiful friendship uh, it's been severed a long time ago but uh, the last act if you like Dominic Cummings versus Boris in this uh, hearing well he and and again Dominic Cummings so Boris Johnson in his evidence to the committee said you know you're relying on the word of the discredited Dominic Cummings well this is the same guy that when Dominic Cummings broke the COVID regulations to drive to Barnard Castle as part of his eye test therapy, Boris Johnson said that he acted with honesty and integrity and within the law. So at what point did he become discredited? He became discredited when he started actually 
telling the truth about Boris Johnson rather than lying about Boris Johnson. So, look, they're all as bad as each other. But the point is, Dominic Cummings was an advisor. And you should you can make judgments about people about what sort of advisors. I've just did a an interview with BBC Northern Ireland and and the other person on the on the debate was a a woman called Carolyn Slocock who worked for John Major and Margaret Thatcher. And she was making the point that, you know, and I was making the point about working with Tony Blair is that if you work for leaders of integrity and leaders that you like and respect and trust, you end up, as I do with Tony Blair and as she does with Margaret Thatcher and, and, uh, and John Major, you end up defending them for the rest of your life because you support them and you believe in what they did. Um, the reason why people like Dominic Cummings have turned against Boris Johnson says a lot about Boris Johnson and who and what he is as a leader. Well, it'll be uh, an interesting hearing just to see the performance, if uh, nothing else, even if the outcome might be somewhat predictable. Um, Alistair, thank you very much for joining us online. And by the way, I believe another Campbell will be gracing a Dublin stage tomorrow night. She will indeed. She will indeed, yeah. In fact, uh, she'd absolutely muller me if I didn't give her a plug. Uh, Grace is... um, a fairly raunchy comedian is how I would put it, uh, Pat. Uh, she does politics. She does a bit of politics, but I'd be lying if I said that was her main shtick. Her main shtick is about uh, sex and men, basically. So there you go. It's a tough watch for her dad. I'd say I so. <laughs> I hope the people of Dublin will enjoy seeing my daughter. She's at the Sugar Club tomorrow night. All right, the Sugar Club, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, Grace Campbell, the show is called simply A Show About Me. So there you are. Alistair, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the line. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.